The UFC Picks podcast is brought to you by the UFC Picks app, a new free-to-play pick'em app that gives you the chance to win £5,000 in a cash giveaway. Check out the Picks app in the App Store and get your picks in now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the UFC Picks show with me, Dan Hardy, and I'm joined again by Ollie Richardson. Uh, we're going to be reviewing UFC 257 and all of your amazing picks. Wow. And uh, we tried to fix the mic situation because I I bought these arms and I expected them to be able to clamp onto the table, but for whatever reason, like they just take up so much space. I don't know. I'm I'm working on it. We'll get there with the. You with the also audio. didn't expect me to communicate in Morse code during the last <laughs> podcast, so apologies to everyone who uh, got a little bit of a shock in their headphones during the last <laughs> podcast. I will endeavour to yeah. calm down a little bit and uh, keep my hands to myself. Yeah, we, we do we do listen to your feedback, so we do appreciate it. And thanks everybody for tuning in. Fifty five thousand people on the last one. Appreciate right, it. Right. First episode, yeah. very cool. Got my Fight Island sunglasses on because I'm going to have to retire <laughs> these very soon. <laughs> um, so I just thought I'd, I'd get them out for one more uh, one more event. Obviously, with the with the last Fight Island event having just happened, UFC 257 was very very cool. Wow, <laughs> what an event! Well, what we'll do is we'll just kind of, we'll just we'll quick we'll quickly move the card because obviously we want to talk about the main event and co-main event, um, but. Just quickly, so obviously we had a few few predict. Did you what, which predictions did you get right? Any so this didn't go really well. I'm not going to lie. I have had better days in terms of predictions. Not only did I get, yeah, he predicted I was going to win a lot of my fights <laughs> for a start. I was heavily invested in you winning some of them. Um, yeah, it didn't it didn't go very well, did it? Not only did I think I picked one correct, but also one of my picks decided to try and smuggle contraband into the Fight Island bubble. So, yeah, what was it? What was in the bag? Do you know? Who knows? Was it's, it? It's got to be a Mackie D's. <laughs> <laughs> Please get me something. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was because I already passed his wristband through the. Oh, through cut the it off, taped it on. Something like about jumping balconies. balconies. <laughs> I don't know. It sounded great. It sounds like a Tom Cruise movie. Sounds like the old Cage Rage days. I won't tell those stories right now, but uh, there was some. Oh, can you imagine balconies. the minute that Dana found that out? After everything that organization has done to get this bubble going, yeah, and then someone does that. Yeah. <sighs> well, I mean, you know, his reaction was not surprising, disappointing because he's an undefeated prospect and he's probably got a bright future, but we'll disappointing because that was a guaranteed pick for me and I, and I needed them. <laughs> That's the most important right? thing, it affected your picks. I mean, Brad Tavares is my favorite fighter at the minute because he's yeah. the only one I pick right, mate. He looked good as well, he did look good. Did I, look- I actually thought that might go the opposite way. I thought. Antonio Carlos Jr. might just be able to drown him with pressure. Yeah, he's a big lump to chew face, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he just, yeah. yeah. But Brad looked good, you know. He's, I mean, his striking's improving constantly. Um, Sarukian, very, very impressive as yeah. well, isn't he? Just cruisers. Really liked him. Really yeah. liked him a lot. I mean, there, there were a couple of those. Like, Sarukian was one, and then we did, we discussed Lentz against uh, Ivlov as well. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, a bit of a bit of taste in, in our mouths, right? I think Nick Lentz has retired off the back of that. I think he's damaged his eye again. Um, and like we, I think we touched on the first one, or maybe privately, that he's been out for a while with with some vision problems, and um, yeah, it's just kind of kind of sad in it, you know. Yeah, it's a gladiator, it's a gladiatorial sport, and you know people get hurt, but you never you never want to sort of hear about that. Yeah. Um, and, and as for Evloev, I called his debut. I'm sure it was his debut, and like he was coming over. What was he? M1 champ. Yeah. Um, right. And, yeah. Didn't seem to get out of third gear, really, did he? Not at all. Nice and tight, nice and yeah. flowing, great striking. The one mm. thing he's missing is a finish in the UFC. Mm. But he's not got loads of. He's, I mean, he's not not stopping everybody outside of of the UFC. What's he got? One, two, three, four rear naked chokes, which comes from people just breaking under his wrestling pressure. Um, he's got a TKO from punches and a KO from a two. KOs, one from kicks and one from punches. I mean, it's a good point. The um, the dominance they had over Lentz, should he actually be looking to finish that? You know, should should have that been a finish? He was clearly dominant for yeah. a lot of that fight. Yeah, I mean, well, that's... I mean, you can keep winning and you can stay in the UFC and stay undefeated and keep winning by decision. It, it does get to a point where opportunities pass you by, though, mm. when you don't have those those highlight reel finishes. You know, like one, one big highlight reel knockout or two close back close back to back fights with that marketing machine behind you yeah. get you a long way. Yeah. It's not but, but it's then, not you know, just about the result, is no, it? No, it's not. But then he's 14 and 0. I mean, you know, yeah. like like that's 
that's really early. If you compare that to boxing, this guy's still fighting journeymen that are like 84 and 86. You know, in their he's record. still picking and choosing who yeah. he's fighting at that stage and in look boxing. look who he's fighting. Like Lentz, Grundy, Enrique Barzola's tough. Right. Like he's a tough, gritty individual. And then Sung Ru Choi as well, another very tricky tough individual and that was a that was a featherweight fight coming in Man, I'm sure we'll see him again pretty soon right he didn't seem to take any damage at all Not really he'd be he'd be good to go None at all and his English is improving hmm. I, I, I did appreciate that no I was impressed with him and, and you know it's sad to see Lentz go out that way especially because like like his the fighter interviews that we did because um, uh, obviously he was supposed to be on an earlier card uh, when we spoke to him he, he really really felt he really talked like the sport had kind of had it in for him. You know what I mean? Like right. he got tough breaks. And yeah. Like he never, like he never had like the, the the push that he should have had because he wasn't maybe as marketable as some of the other guys. And I mean, I get it, and I think to a degree, his record, dude. Look, like to, look at the guys he's fought. To a degree, you'll agree though is you get from the UFC what you put into the UFC. You know, it's exactly. not you know it's not a charity. Mm-hmm. They'll get behind you if you give them something to get mm-hmm. behind. But that you know, if you don't market yourself, they're not really going to do it for you they'll, they'll do the basic level for you but if you really want to you know kick it into overdrive you got to earn that they don't, exactly they, don't that. Give, they don't really give anyone anything in the ufc do they no no that's, that's not their remit like I, I i always say this like if i'm if i'm talking to a fighter that's young in their career i always say i always say to them like the, the keys in the word promotion like that's what they are the, the ufc is a promotion machine like if you are easy to market easy to sell then you're going to get that machine behind you and it's going to do you, you know, it's going to do you really well, but you, you have to, that's, that's your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you can't, you can't, I mean, you can get so far winning by decision over and over again, but that's when you have to put an eight fight win streak together before you get a title shot. Yeah. Like the, the mindset almost should, shouldn't, should be, it is, you are your own business within this business. For like sure. You are a product yeah. You know, give them a reason to do the advertising. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, th- and then they'll, they'll blow you up. Yeah. They can't wait to blow someone up. Yeah. You know, that's what that's what they do. That's how they um, that's how they dominate. But you've got to give them a reason. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yeah. You've, got, you've almost got to view it as like a collaboration. <laughs> yeah, like You've right. still yeah. got to do your part and your yeah. part is, is not just inside the octagon. Yeah. Yeah, it's everything yeah, else. Inside the <laughs> and you know, a lot of a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of fighters say that the, the thing that happens inside the octagon is almost the relief of it. It's everything yeah. else that goes on around it that you know drains them of energy and is is a big commitment for them. That's it. But that's you know that's where the money's at. Part you better it, get it done. It? Yeah, it's part of it. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was a great fight. <laughs> um, so you went round three and Pragnia won. Yeah, I mean it's pretty close, right? It was, it I, was I feel close. like. Roundtree could have on a different day. Roundtree could have could have took that. Yeah. But then it's hard to make that claim. Yeah. So kind of long and like like shit. I mean, it was a good fight. I enjoyed enjoyed watching that fight. You know, there was some technical component to it. It's tough to make Roundtree's case when he was dropping off so much towards the end of the fight because in reality, if that's a fight, there's only one guy. You know, if you extend that round another five minutes, we know where that's going, right? Yeah. That's not going. That's not going Roundtree's favor. So it's difficult to make that claim. Um, w- within that context, but yeah, it was close and big, big lumps whacking each other hard, yeah. weren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like it's the kind of it's the simmering underbelly of the like heavyweight division. There's so many guys above them that like they they they're gonna have to they they're gonna have to make some serious they're gonna have to cover mm. some serious ground. I mean, yeah. what's what's Pracknell now? Is that is that one in his last yeah one in his last four? Yeah, and he might be relieved though, wouldn't he? Oh, be relieved sure. just to get that yeah. one in there. It's not a good look. On so, I mean, we could probably put a question mark over that pick, really, couldn't we? Not that really. result. I mean, you know, your picks are your picks. You know. This is why I stay out yeah. of these things. So. <laughs> I'll play devil's advocate. This next fight was a lot of fun. Sarah McMahon's a hell of a wrestler, but Juliana Penn, we, when we were sitting watching this, like and Veronica and I, was, we saw exactly the same thing. Like, like, Sarah McMahon's a competitor, and she's a great competitor. I thought she was doing great. Really, really good. But Penny's a fighter. And there is a point yeah. of difference, right? There's yeah, a yeah, point yeah. where the where the co- competition becomes a fight, and some people just they just check out in those moments. Like I always used like, and this is no criticism on him because obviously he's doing really well at the moment. But Ryan Bader was very much in that situation in the UFC. Like he was great when it was competing with someone. Yeah, he's an as athlete, as it, right? Yeah, exactly. As soon as it became a fight, that's when it's like ah, I kind of 
Like there's an edge that you need, and and I mean what was what we've seen in Pena is that she does have that edge. I don't I don't know if you're the same, but the longer we're sort of around and in existence, the more I start believing in archetypes more and more and more. And there there is that athlete archetype, there is that martial artist archetype, yeah. and you know, and there is that fighter archetype. Yeah. And obviously, there's a blend of, of the three. I know we've we've talked about it previously. There's a blend of the three, but you can sort of see where people sit in there. Man, I thought I, I thought Sarah was killing it. I thought she was doing really good. But I tell you what, uh, I probably didn't give uh, Pena the the uh, respect that she deserves because if you're going to fight someone with that wrestling, what do you do? Or pretty much that. Yeah. She's she was never still. She was constantly attacking from the back. She was hitting her with elbows and making it genuinely uncomfortable for her. She was throwing up submissions all the time. Like, what what do you want as a wrestler? Well, just lie there and let me, you know. Yeah. dominate from the top position mm-hmm. not a chance was there no she was great scrappy. yeah scrappy yeah and I, and, I, and I know she called out um i know she called out uh, um, amanda nunez as well but the, the, there are a couple more fights that she needs to have in this division uh, at least one yeah amanda she's, didn't seem like she was having it on ranking. social media was she no i mean <laughs> it makes sense though i mean she, you know she in her previous fight she was choked out by jermaine durandamy who's also mm. lost to uh, to um amanda nunez I, I just I don't think I've seen enough of Pena for her to. I mean, she's still she's ten and four in her career. Yeah, you know, like she's a C- couple more. You yeah. know, string string a couple more wins on top of that win, and you know she's in a good position to make that call, isn't she? I mean, you know, you look at her last. Like, if you if you if you look at when she came back after um after becoming a mother, she that her last fight was two thousand seventeen, the beginning of two thousand seventeen against Shevchenko. Then she came back midway to, through 2019 and beat Nico Montagna, who won the Ultimate Fighter. So technically a former champ, or oh, that's a weird one. <laughs> then she lost to Durandamy, and then she's just beat Sarah McMahon. Like she needs a Holly Holm on that on that, that record yeah. for me. She needs she needs a even a Raquel Pennington would be a good name for her to have because she's still. I, mean, I know the rankings have not been done until tomorrow, but she's seventh currently, and she'll she'll jump up a couple of spaces. Mm. But not not much from a win like that because because Sarah McMahon was already below her anyway, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good solid win to get a solid to, win, to, yeah. to get her going again, yeah. trying to get on a streak again, and then get that streak done and call out the champ. And not quite you know, a title shot ready though. Not I, quite. I think uh, I think it, you know, I mean that'd be good if I'm thinking like Pennington and then home. Yeah, two great wins. You can't deny you get people buying into those fights as well, Definitely. wouldn't you? From a promotion point of view. Definitely. I mean, you know, beating Durandamy and then Sarah McMahon would have been mm. a different thing, but with that loss, I think that just does slow her down a bit. Yeah, um, she she was she was great, but like you say, she probably needs a couple more, and then yeah. she's in that position. So what else? What was the next one? That, that, oh yeah. So with Brad Tavares, we talked about. He yeah. Great. Look fantastic. Yeah. Armin Sarukian's a monster. Oh wow. Yeah. Just. I wonder what where he'll go next. What they'll do with him. He's another guy though. He's a, he's decisions, isn't he? Like he needs a finish. Like, I mean, he's he got, got the power three? for a finish, right? For sure. Easily. But three like he, like three. He lost his he lost his debut to Islam Makachev. That still sounds crazy. He <laughs> makes the the debut against. Yeah. Makachev. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Thanks for that debut. <laughs> so. He's had four decisions in the UFC, but he's got some stoppages outside. A lot of rear naked chokes and guillotines, anaconda, not knockouts, technical knockouts. There's definitely a lot of potential in him. He just, oh, yeah, he seems I've got to a feeling, you know. I think he could. If they, he's if, simmering, if they, isn't he? They don't have to look after him, but if they if they're strategic with the next few fights, and they, you know, yeah, he, he could he could be really really good. He's had tough fights though. I mean, you go like Makachev, uh, Oban Mercier. Davy Hamosh and then Matt Favola, they're all tough fighters. Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising he's, he's going to decisions with them because they're all tough tough individuals. But there's definitely, like you, like you look at this division, you start thinking to yourself, he's, I mean, you, you have to do something spectacular at lightweight to get your head above uh, above water. Awful is, division, is isn't it? Awful division to be horrible. part of. But there's some good guys at the bottom end of that division that he could fight. I mean, like... Obviously, Ally Quinter would be a hell of a fight for him. He's at number 10. But Darius, uh, Gregor Gillespie, Drew Dober, there's people that round. You can't help but make good fights in, the, in that division at the minute. And he's he's formidable everywhere by the looks of it. I, I, I like him. I, I think yeah, he's, I think I, it's going to be really interesting like to watch him develop. What is he, about, about 18, 24? Okay. <laughs> 
Hey. All the time in the hey. world. Right, main card. There we go. Well, yeah, I enter into this one with a little bit of trepidation. Is that, is that, <laughs> is that, is that two wins on uh, what, what we, Rodriguez's record? From what, shall we, uh, what shall we talk about in this fight? Anything stand out to you at all? Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take on. it for now. Um, I'm going to check the camera's still rolling. Right. Apparently. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a good fight and a great win for Rodriguez. I felt a little bit for Hebas because I thought she needed, you know, this could have got her going again. This could have, yeah. this could have uh, put her right in the frame for some from bigger fights. But Rodriguez was was great. Um, I'm sure you, you you'll have an opinion on this, but I thought Hebas's ring craft was really poor. She just sort of followed her around and just didn't cut her off at all, really. And then you know the, the consequences of that were were evident. Um, I, I still really like. I think she's she's a she's a solid fighter. I think she's going to be great. I wonder what they do with her next. As in, she seems like she'd be pretty marketable to the company. So whether they, you know, manipulate who they're gonna they're gonna put her against next to to try and get her a win keeper in the company might be might be something they look at. Um, and yeah, Rodrigo, she bangs hard, right? Yeah, really yeah. hard. She, you know, she's she is a you know she's a longer range fighter. She's a she's a good striker. She she had a better understanding of how to use the space as mm. well because as you said uh, uh, Amanda was kind of following her around a little bit just pressuring her and you know pressure is excellent obviously it's important in a fight if if that's the way that you want to you want to apply your game plan but you you've got to you've got to apply it correctly otherwise you you end up following and walking into traps and when you're fighting someone that's so, so much taller mm. like she it was a lovely back step she walked her onto those punches like she knew she was slightly out of range for for whatever uh hebus was throwing um but yeah and obviously you know it, it see it, it obviously there's no doubt it could have been stopped when the when rodriguez thought the fight was over um, it wasn't really going to go any other way right it no, seemed like that was the appropriate time to, to step in and stop that there's, there's a there's a decisiveness that you need from the referees which is yeah. where you know, and I, and I spoke about it in the uh, um, in the breakdown I did uh, in my counter to Herb. Like in the Robbie Lawler Ben Askren fight, part of the reason why Robbie Lawler came back to consciousness was because Askren released because he thought Herb was stepping mm. in. Now, part of the problem is the indecisiveness of making the the fighter giving their fighter the impression because none of us want to beat the beat the opponent up after the after the fight referee stopped it yeah like you don't want to be looked at as a dirty fighter so you don't want to like be still punching the person as the referee's dragging you off like you want it to be a nice clean break and you know these two girls were competitors like that was obvious going into the fight they, they weren't there to you know to to hate on each other so it was just like when you give a fighter that opportunity to for the fight to be over I mean, her natural reaction, she read his body language. That yeah. was an instinct. Thing. Yeah. And I know people were saying that he didn't, you know, he didn't touch anyone, but everything it's else was suggesting, there, everything sure. else was suggesting that way. Yeah. And I mean, look, this is elite, elite level pro sport and everybody that is involved has to be decisive. That's sure. the, you know, we're not, this yeah. is not a couple of grades down. This is the, the pinnacle of it. And the people that are involved in the pinnacle of it have to be elite in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's the point. Yeah. But that, like, I'll circle this back around just as a counter, because like, you remember when Durandamy fought uh, Holly Holm for the, for the featherweight title and like there were twice she was criticized for punching after the bell, but like two things, I always say this, first of all, we don't have a hearing test before a fight. <laughs> right. So like, you can't assume yeah. that we hear the bell. The other thing as well, and I'm sure you'll know, know the wording better than I, but the, the kind of the sensory shutdown of certain well, everything narrows happen, right yeah. High, uh, vision narrows hearing narrows you know and it's an, it's an evolution of instinct is concentrate on the, the major threats I'm not listening to you know what's happening five rows up in the crowd because right. that's taking my attention away from someone that's trying to effectively kill me you know so exactly. of course yeah I, I mean so you're not yeah, listening I mean, to the bell and that's and the, yeah. and the bell is not for is not for the fighters the bell yeah. is for the referee the horn yeah. should I say in, in MMA so like there is a, it is important for these referees to to get involved and to make sure they're between the fighters. It's not the fighters' responsibility mm. to decide when the fight's over because that's when confusion arises. And it's also not the fighters' responsibility if they're not stopped when the fight yeah. should be stopped. 
because that is the referee's responsibility to get in the way. I mean, I remember Mark Goddard stopping one of my fights and I was already mid-punch when he dived in the way and I <laughs> punched him it. right in the thigh. <laughs> <laughs> he had me afterwards, he was like, you punched me in the play. You know, but it, it's that... You know, I was, I was going to say I would rather than... I'd rather that referees stop things early than late, which, you know, there's some truth to it, but I would also rather than just stop it when they're supposed to stop it. You know, <laughs> yeah. again, it just circles yeah. back to you need to be right. Yeah. You know, that's what you're paid and trained for is, is to be right. And of course, you know, we all, we all make mistakes and I think that's, that's fair enough, but um, we have to be careful of the, the patterns of mistakes that are constantly happening. Yeah. The same things happening, you know, no, no one's infallible, but you know, patterns are patterns and, yeah, you don't play this sport. No, no, <laughs> you just not, don't play no, it. You don't. You don't play fighting, do you? Yeah, no, yeah. certainly not. So, uh, okay, let's let's on to the next one. Uh, Jessica Ryan Jojo. No, we got uh, oh. um, Mahmoud, didn't we? Mahmoud Muradov against Andrew Sanchez, flying knee and TKO. Oh my god, I've missed this fight. Did you miss I've it? I've not yeah. seen it. Oh, How have I missed that? You must have meditated through it. I probably fell asleep to be honest. It was. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the thing is, oh, with well, poor old Andrew Sanchez. That's because they didn't make a pick on it. That's why there was, that, that, that wasn't up there for picks. No, that's true. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah. No, it wasn't. I've completely missed that. Yeah. Oh, it was, I always feel feel a bit bad for Andrew Sanchez because he's he's one of those guys that he's not particularly marketable. <laughs> right. So he gets the tough fights. He's a bit in a bit of a Nick Lentz kind of situation. <laughs> right. And, and you can't market you, so you're just going to have to do the tough route all the way exactly. through. Exactly. It's, it's uphill in the, yeah. in the dark, Ooh. in the snow, you know, with twice as many newspapers as you should be carrying. He, he's, he's got one of those kind of careers. Like you look at the guys he's fought, you know, uh, he's like lost to Anthony Smith. So like he won the ultimate fighter mm. at light heavyweight. And, and you know, the hope was that he was going to be a really strong wrestler in this division. But it just, it, it seems to get to that point similar with Sarah McMahon. He's like, it goes from being a competition to a fight. And, and I will say that he did regroup pretty well in the third round. Like he he did make an effort in the third round to pressure him, even though his leg was was beat up, and and Muradov was just a bit too quick and athletic yeah. for him. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it was it, it was it, it was a good fight for Muradov. He's definitely on the rise. It's someone to watch out. You know for. what? If that was in the picks thing, I probably would have picked that. You, you know? definitely would have. I'm almost sure, sure I would have picked that one. I tell you what, his views were were good on the channel, weren't they? A lot of people wanted. Yeah, no, right, them. little niche. But like, you look at his like. Like I like a record like this guy's got because so like let's have a look at his record one uh, one and oh two and oh two and one three and one three and two four and two four and three four and four there was a point in his career where he was four and four yeah but frustrating he's been he's been he's been stopped he's been choked out shows good resilience right right deep resilience to be able to turn that around exactly and then he went on a three fight win streak then he lost another one then he went on a four-fight win streak. Then he lost another one, and now he's on. What's that? A fourteen-fight one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Fourteen-fight win streak now. Found his flow. That's beautiful. He's isn't found it? his flow. Like you, Watch you, out! You definitely picked him. Right? Yeah, I'm almost sure. I definitely advise you to pick him anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go on then, Jessica I Calderwood. Wow, Jojo is amazing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> She was, she was looked in great shape for a start. She looked in really good shape. Um, she looked really sharp. Uh, I thought uh, Jessica sort of stood in the range to, of all the places you were going to stand. That was not the range to to pitch your tent in. Do you know what I mean? She just stood right on the end of every single kick that JoJo threw. It seemed. Yeah. Um, I thought their energy expenditure strategy was horrendous. The bell went and they just went. Ooh, <laughs> let's go and they uh they went straight after it um but yeah uh, jojo jojo was great really r- r- savage in the clinch like really did quite a bit of damage in the clinch right i just thought it was genuinely a, a really really good win against um you know a tough tough girl yeah a veteran yeah i mean Been like, around. she really is a veteran yeah jessica was at 25 fights 15 and 9 yeah, she, I mean she's she, she's tough and she's durable and she's a good test for everybody and and we needed to see Jojo against someone that was going to close her down, pressure her against the fence, and I mean she she stood on the on the outside enough for Jojo to look really good at times, mm. but also when she closed the distance, Jojo had, had elevated her game to a point where she was able to be effective in the clinch 
and stuff a lot of the takedowns. I mean, what were the... Uh... Yeah, I mean, whatever JoJo's doing, I would I would recommend she keeps doing it because she looked uh, she looked like she'd evolved to me. She looked like yeah. she'd evolved a little bit and she took that game up a level. You just find your, you, you just find your rhythm at some yeah. point. And obviously, you know, she's in Vegas with John Wood. Yeah, um, he's so clearly he's clearly you know having a significant impact, right? Yeah, just yeah. you know an experienced coach. He's he's been in there with you know he's cornered a lot of a lot of fighters at a lot of different levels. You know he's in the gym every day. You get mm. to recognize patterns there. Let's have a quick look at this. Yeah, so so she only got one takedown scored against her. That's an improvement. I still think she's she's in a similar situation to Pena. We still need to see her have one more. Good solid one. One more good solid win. Get that platform, mm-hmm. yeah, and then boost up off that. I'm happy, uh, you know, I was, I was happy for her. It's hard to not be happy for her, right? She's just, <laughs> she just she just seems so nice, and um, you know, you could see that it seemed like there was a bit of pressure on her to to get that right, and yeah. she got it right. She really, really got it right. Yeah, and there's some interesting fights up uh, above her. Um, I mean. I'll get into it in the aftermath. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna answer some questions. I know. I know. I've got some questions on on Calderwood of where she goes next. Mm. But she definitely needs another fight or two before she can start thinking about Shev, about Shevchenko. I just. I don't. I just don't think she's the the holes in her game that we've seen. Although we've seen improvements against Jessica Ryle, we need to see her against someone that's really gonna yeah. like pressure her, drag her to the floor. You know. I know. It always seems like I come back to the same thing, but the way Shevchenko moves. Is that echelon above, right? It is, and you always see it. Those top top guys, they just move a little bit differently. Yeah, that intermuscular coordination, they're just moving in perfect synchronicity and timing. I mean, that's why that's why Andrade's an interesting problem for Chevchenko because she's like hyper explosive, very mm. powerful, and quite unpredictable. Yeah, and if you've got someone that's very efficient and very clinical in the way that they go about stuff, it's so difficult to find your way in on yeah. that competition level. You've got to almost do do something that's so different to what, like for example, if you're if you're Joanna, like you know full well if you if you're stepping in there with her and you want to go technique for technique striking, that's like, going to be rough. It's going to be a long night, yeah. even if you're the the best in the world, as we saw with with Zhang Weili. Whereas if you rose mm-hmm. Nama Yunus and you just bite down your close distance and you crack her harder than she's ever been punched in the yeah. first round. This is a weird segue into the the the, the next fight, but you know. Um, like tempo camouflage can be a really useful um, that is a good segue. St- strategic mm. like move, right? Because you can just bluff the, te- you know, you think you're going to be, at a, they think you're going to be at a certain tempo, but you're actually, you know, you're just lulling them into this tempo and then suddenly, you know, you resonate in that tempo and then you change up that tempo. I've caught you in the trap, mm-hmm. right? And this is the way the segue bit comes in. I thought that what, that's what he was doing. I thought that's what Dan Hooker was doing. I thought, oh, he looks really slow here and methodical. And I thought, and I thought he was playing a really smart game. This is how great I am at picks. Uh, I thought he was playing a really smart game because Chandler was hyped up and he was angry and he was coming in, he was moving fast, he was in and out and he was testing stuff. And I thought, oh, okay, that's that's smart. He's just he's just playing nice and loose. He's not expending any energy. He's sort of lulling him in. And I thought he was, you know, maybe he was setting a trap. Turns out that's another pick that was completely wrong. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean that is that you know obviously that is a that is a strategy that can be put into place. It didn't work out very well this time. Um, and then on reflection, I, I don't know if I don't know if Hooker was sick or overawed by the by something, but he didn't. He, you know, he just didn't look like he was bouncing at the the, the speed he needed to be at. I don't, I don't. I just don't honestly think he had time. You just I got. Mean, I've watched. Just the got rushed. Back. Yeah. I mean. I, I, I've watched the fight back a few times today, and my my first thought is that like, like he he normally looks pretty good in the first couple of minutes. He looks technically looks sharp, and he makes good decisions. I think I think they may have had the similar thought process to 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 what what we discussed about not being out in the open to be shot mm. on, because Chandler will just drive straight through you. So yeah. circling against the fence gives him a better opportunity of stuffing those takedowns. But at the same time as doing that, I think he was being forced into a particular direction by Chandler. Because if yeah. you watch the way that Chandler does it, he level changes and he keeps throwing that long right to the body. Yeah. And if you watch, if you watch the way that Hooker's moving, like if he's moving, if Chandler's moving at boxing range, he keeps his hand fairly high as he's circling, so he's not circling onto the left hook. But every time he saw Chandler level change with the right hand to the body, he also was expecting him to shoot him into the fence. So he was 
bring ready both to scoop down. Right. So then as Chandler level change, you watch him, he throws the right hand out. I'm going to break it down on Aftermath. As he throws the right hand out, the the right foot follows and then he follows with a massive left hook. Sickening left it's hook. Beautiful. Beautiful. But I mean, intended, yeah. fully intended to catch him right on the end of his yeah. movement. And, and intended to catch him when his hands were down expecting a takedown or a body shot. What an entry into the UFC. And his call out was awesome as well. He did the whole Ric Flair thing, didn't he? Yeah, you say awesome. I say like cringeworthy. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand that rhetoric. No. But I did see an interview with him after and he was sort of like, nah, I didn't sort of mean it the way like that. I was, you know, I just know I need to hype up and call people out and, yeah. you know. Dana told me to make sure that I make a big fuss about it. But I, I personally, I can't stand that WWE call-out type thing. go down the Colby Covington route. No, like that, like I can't watch Colby. Yeah. I, like I can watch Did him as a fight, but I can't. Goddard? No, no. <laughs> he <laughs> Probably said, warranted. He said, the reason that, he said the reason that Goddard stopped the fight when he was fighting Usman, the reason that Goddard stopped the fight is because, uh, um, because he's against Brexit. Oh, man. Come on now. <laughs> Like, like <laughs> tenuous link. He's been wearing that Make America Godless yeah. hat for how many years? Anyway, the, the, it's all the, backfired. the political side that he took in America seems to have really worked out for him. Oh, doesn't, he doesn't look like an idiot at all now. No. He's got the buffalo dude on, 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 yeah. His, on his side. Yeah, he's going to be cornering him soon. Did you see the one with the, with the hat on that says spread love and she was telling a police officer to F off? That's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Oh, man. Brilliant. Just just relax, America. You just yeah. need to relax anyway, for a little bit. Anyway. anyway, brighter times ahead anyway. by the sounds of it. Yeah, right. So, so co-main event then. Chandler, great intro to the UFC. Dan Hooker yeah. in a bit of a bad spot has kind of reached his ceiling currently at, light, at lightweight. Mm. And probably needs to, to regroup a bit. I mean, he's taken a few, a few big shots yeah. as well. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him take 12 months out and just work on his game because he's got the, he's got the, the range... And he's got the coaches and the people around him to be on Izzy's level of striking. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, I, he I, I, that understanding. I would personally, because I err on the side of probably fight health over over most things. In that, when, when someone gets knocked out in that manner, and like you know, that seems significant, is they should be encouraged to take extended periods of time off. Mm. Let that brain trauma sort itself out. Let it heal. Like neurology in general heals nine times slower than than muscle so you need an extended period of time to settle that down and um i, I don't know how it would happen because i don't think it's it's in place with the ufc but i feel like they should be encouraging that yeah whether you know i don't know how you facilitate that financially but i feel like they should be pushing pretty hard that um there should be a mandatory yeah, or, or a more or a stricter adhere to mandatory because I know there is a mandatory, but um, somehow, some way, they should be for sure encouraging it. Yeah, honestly, the the biggest problem I see is most of the time is fighters just don't understand that they have to take it seriously. Mm. I remember when I when I got knocked out against Condit at one twenty, I was back in the gym Monday morning working with Andre because he had a fight coming up. Yeah, and, and yeah. the thing is, I remember Joe Silver calling me. This that's old school for you. I remember Joe Silver calling me because... It's conspiracy. Oh, no. It's something else. <laughs> because he'd seen on some social media that I was back in the gym working. Yeah. And and he called me up. He's like, what are you doing? Like, you've got to, you've got to not. Yeah. You've no contact. And it wasn't until until I, I'd actually had that conversation that I'm like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I should... I mean, I was fortunate. Like, I can think of, like, one time, one time in the gym, I was, I was, I was knocked out. And then I remember a tie boxing match where I was dropped a couple of times. And then the Condit fight. Yeah. But then there were big gaps in between. And I, and we were never sparring. I mean, we had hard sparring sessions, but but not because we were brutalizing each other, just because we were working. Mm. Like we were grafting and grinding. The pace was hard. No one was ringing each other's bell every every week, though. Not yeah. We, I just I just seen it too many times in in, in, in the well. rugby codes, like you know, people sort of forgetting large periods of time. And you know, a, a good friend of mine, Ben Herring. Um, retired because he just couldn't shift his headache. You know, it was like imagine having a headache for a year. Like That's, you know, yeah, it's not. It's exactly it's it's really serious. And I, I know a lot a lot around CTE is coming out um, from the NFL, and they're obviously making inroads into that. And I, I know the the UFC is doing what it can do, and it's a bit of a slow process. And I get that because it's you know it's relatively new, um, and unfortunately it falls back on the fighter and the management of their ego that. Oh no! I just get back and start yeah, working. You know, and, yeah. you know it's a it's a tricky place, but you know we've got to be careful because there's there's certain consequences to that repeat head trauma. You're not going to see now, and then when it happens, 
when the con when the, when the you know the consequences happen it's irreversible nothing's you know mm -hmm. you've got, you, the yeah. the waterfall's falling now and yeah. you know it's not a, it's not a pretty place to be a couple of a couple of people i know with sort of mid-stage to end-stage parkinson's not not from combat sports but you know that's not a, some some alpha male type dudes that have got it and it's yeah, yeah. you know it's right. pretty upsetting to see yeah you know? the, the thing is it's not like like I love you know me. I love a good knockout as much as the next guy. Probably a bit more than the next guy. <laughs> and I've delivered a few myself as well, and I've taken two. Like it's a part of the sport. We get it. Like if yeah. you're a mountain climber, yeah. you, you might you might die a mountain climber. Yeah. If you're a deep sea diver, you might you might have a. It's know, an accepted consequence. Of course, it's for a fire. It's an accepted consequence, and. Is it's, it that says it's not a tickling contest? Is it <laughs> Teddy Atlas? Like we know yeah. we know the risk. We just need to. It's not that though. Like it's it, like it's two grown adults. Yeah. Um, saying to each other, I know what's and, you know. I know the consequences. It's not that bit. I, I'm comfortable with that bit. It's how we look after them after that happens yeah. because you take that consequence away and you know it's it's not the highest level of combat sport that's ever existed for sure yeah. so you, 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 know. you saw the video that uh, of dana during the holloway cater fight right i mean that's that's going to be doing its rounds everyone's going to see that soon but of, of him talking to one of the one of the other ufc executives and being like you know this this is not good like we need to make sure he's he's taken to a hospital straight away. yeah yeah and, and the, know, the days after and the yeah. weeks after and the checkups and uh, like it obviously it's fine for max because he's done really well for himself but if you're entry level fighter on entry level salaries or not, not even salaries but en entry level pay packets you know are you going to be able to support yourself enough to get the medical stuff you need three months later six months later yeah. so for, going back to you know the professional rugby codes if you are taken off the pitch for concussion that's three weeks mandatory lay down you're not no, no contact there's a graded contact protocol to get you back in there um like like cognitive checks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, scat test, and, and and I know the you know the PI is working along that. The PI in Shanghai, you know, talking to Dean Amasinger over there, they're doing a lot of work around that, and they'll get better. You know, they will get better. Mm. And you know, part of the PI being set up is to pr put this bubble around. The, I shouldn't use that word. That word is yes. overused massively <laughs> at the minute. You know, putting this blanket around <laughs> fighters to help them just yeah. be the best they can be. And you know, health is obviously a massive part of that. Dude, I tell you what, I was watching yesterday, which is fascinating, and I, I'm, I've in a very short period of time, become a big fan of Lex Friedman. Yeah, right. You've mentioned, and yeah. He did, Dan, he did an interview with Dan Gable, which was right. an older interview that he actually brought back and, and and posted upon his channel because he, you know, a lot of people missed it first time around. And one of the most fascinating things about it is, is Dan, Dan Gable's talking about what he would have done differently. And he said there was a point where we weren't allowed to drink water because it was considered to toughen us up. He said, and I can think of so many wrestling practices where I was so dehydrated and fatigued that at the end we weren't even really wrestling. We like we were just propping each other Try not to die. Yeah. Yeah. Like he said, he yeah. said, so one of the main things I would change is that like I would go back and I would hydrate myself. So I was in a place where I could learn. No, like, amazing that you're having that conversation. Amazing. How are you having that conversation? <laughs> like, but I've seen it again, going back to, you know, my bread and butter, the, the Robbie codes, I've heard stories of coaches shouting at trainers for taking the water on, get that water off. They need to tough it out in training. You know, they need to tough it out. You're like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, and, it, and it's not like we don't have the empirical research behind it. We absolutely know what dehydration does. No questions asked. We know what it does, right? And you're wanting these guys to perform, but you're not letting them optimally fuel and optimally hydrate to perform. So, you know, how are they supposed to do it? So 1% dehydration is 10% performance. Is yeah. That, is that a, I mean, it's, that's I a mean, bit, you know, it's a we, bit broad. Like everyone sweats at different rates, you know, the content of the sweat is different, but put it this way, there's a significant decrement yeah. and the more dehydrated you get, I mean, that you know, basically the worse what that you speaks perform. to is that there's a, like a, a small amount of dehydration significantly significant. impactful. Yeah. Uh, and you know, this sport, you've already weight cut, you know, you've already, you know, when, I'm not sure of the, the layer layover effect of that in terms of chronic dehydration from that weight cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might feel hydrated because acutely you've hydrated yourself back up. But what are the chronic consequences of that? I, I'm not sure. You know, the PI might be able to mm -hmm. might be able to enlighten us. Um, yeah. Stuff, yeah. 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 You know, and I, I, think, I think, you know, 
I think I think something's going to change soon because there's a lot of. I mean, the U, the UFC are, uh, are working closer with the Cleveland Clinic. Amazing. Like when I've been out in Vegas, I've been there a couple of times now, and they basically like you know they borrow you for an hour and they do a bunch of tests, yeah. a bunch of MRI scans, load of cognitive tests. There was one where I had this harness on with a with a an iPad on my, on the back on my back. Have you seen this? Yeah, maybe. And I had to do a lot of like single leg stuff and like reaching and touching. Yeah. And, and like twisting and looking to see yeah, like okay. it, it was interesting but coordinate they, your balance and stuff yeah, yeah 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 i mean that's you know i'd, I'd be really interested because i know a lot of sort of there was a lot of um not propaganda is not the right word but the, the, there was a lot of heat around how much the ufc reinvest their profits into the fighters and it seemed to be a lot lower than the other professional sports in in the US which is a separate argument but I'll be interested to see what percentage of their turnover or profits they invest into R&D because it seems like they're going pretty hard it mm. seems like they want to evolve as fast as they can evolve it, I mean going back to the PI like that's not cheap creating those two PIs is costing no. a lot you know that's costing a lot of money yeah. and I think they leverage that by other people using those facilities, but you would think that would be uh, a drop it's in the be ocean. Minimal, isn't yeah, it, for sure. Especially, yeah. I mean, that, the, the Shanghai facility is is, I mean, it's basically a, an MMA university, isn't it? They've got everything that you would need there to grow. If you had a blank piece of paper, well, I'm sure that's probably what, what they did. <laughs> yeah. Right, here's a blank piece of paper, yeah. guys. Here's a space in yeah. Shanghai. Yeah. And then you've got the one over in Vegas, which much more caters to the athletes that are already established and yeah. offers them services yeah. that they need. So the Shanghai one, as far as I, I know from Speak to Dean, is like they run a team out of there. That's their team. And, you know, they actually run that how I would run a, a professional team. Yeah, they're killing it, right? It's, Just everywhere. Yeah. You've got, to, you've got to kind of feel like, I mean, if you're going into a fight with someone that's training, at the UFC Performance Institute, you're like. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you're well, you're skirting tired. between three yeah. different three different yeah. places to get your sessions in. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's good. It, but you know, you, you're dead right. Things have got to move in in that direction, and it's just an awareness thing, isn't it, for fighters? You need to take stuff seriously and get, make sure. That you know, we we because I guess because we're close to the sport, you forget how young it is, and it's it's doing its evolution. Mm. You know, it's evolving way faster than all the other codes that are around. Yeah. Because they've had more time to evolve, and you know, in some to some degree, fair play to the UFC because they are investing, they are doing the R and D, and they are evolving as fast as they can. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Come what do you do with Chandler now? What do I do with him? Where do you go? I think I think he's one of the two problem children in the division. I think it's him and Charles Oliveira, the two real real problems for everybody and 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 it's i mean obviously you know you you could put chandler in there with poirier but then i think that's a bad matchup for poirier mm. i think you could put poirier in there with uh with charles Oliveira, and i think that might be a good fight for him but he also might get get strangled if he gets clipped and hurt mm. and Oliveira's striking to come on leaps and bounds and and you know the the, the holes in Poirier's game from back in the WEC days are still there to an extent. I mean, he was still clipped with a couple of good shots against McGregor. Like someone with sharp striking that's got a jiu-jitsu game to fall back yeah. on might be a... I mean, he's just a problem for everybody. Chandler's an issue because he's got that that power wrestling with that power striking mm. style, which can just catch any of these guys. I mean, like I mean Gaethje's, you know... <sighs> Like yeah. in an awkward situation. It's a, isn't it's it? a tough. Like, it's tough is, to be a matchmaker, isn't it? Coming back. I mean, that's another one. That's that's another one you can yeah. consider. And I mean, I, I know I know it's a long shot, and there's a few people saying that he didn't, he wouldn't necessarily deserve it. But I was I was chatting to Owen. Um, so anyone that doesn't know, Owen Owen is part of Full Reptile and basically runs our whole apparel side of the business, right? Single handedly, he's, yeah. he's basically we'll a machine. Soon as well. And yeah, and, and, and he he does things. full reptile radio. I'm sure we'll, you know, we're going to try and get that back as soon as we can. We, we were chatting, we were chatting before, and again, it's probably not quite deserved because he's fresh in there. But it is interesting, wrestler v wrestler, right? Could he? Does he have the zig to Habib zag? I, I don't. I don't know. Habib doesn't seem to think so. He wasn't particularly impressed, was he? But no, you know. But then, but then, you know, that's that's one fight against against number six ranked Dan Hooker, and and I just I feel like like Dan Hooker's a bit young in his career, and he's he's found himself right up at the top because he'll say yes and he'll bite down his mouthpiece mm, and he'll go, fight go get it. Hard. Yeah. But I think you know we've got a clear distinction in the division now, and and I think what we've got is you know McGregor, Oliveira, Poirier, Gaethje, and Chandler. Uh, the top five. You may, you could even maybe drop Gaethje or McGregor out of that mix now. 
But then if you throw Nate Diaz in, you've got kind of got to need one of those guys. I wouldn't mind seeing Nate against Gaethje. I wouldn't mind seeing Poirier against um, uh, against Oliveira. I wouldn't mind seeing McGregor fight Ferguson, to be honest. I know, but you keep skirting. We're talking about Chandler. Who's he going to fight? I just, I, just, I think it's honestly, really, it's really difficult. He's a problem for everybody. Yeah. He's a problem for everybody. Nate'd be, Nate'd be fun. Whether It'd you know, Nate could keep that distance and just pepper him for so long that you let's see, you know, let's see where Chandler is. I mean, he did take fourteen low minutes kicks. in. You know, yeah, like there were, he does have a very long stance, and there were a couple of low kicks that uh, that that Hooker did land out in the open. Like, the, the, yeah. there are people that could cause him problems, but then, like, the thing is, like, Charles Oliveira is is the kryptonite to someone like uh, like Chandler, as long as he stays out of the power punching range. Like, you can power double me all day you like. I'm gonna mm. strangle you as soon as we hit the mat. The power punching range is where Oliveira has been closed down against the fence. And Maybe the that's past. the one. Maybe that's the one. I mean, you've you've got to think that Chandler against Gaethje would be a fascinating one, but I don't think that's fair to Gaethje to throw him in there after what he just went through. Yeah, with yeah. I kind of I wouldn't mind seeing Gaethje against Ferguson. Two guys coming off losses. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just don't get my hopes up about Ferguson anymore. After we saw him trying to wrestle a float tank, I'm like, look, the dude's going to get injured, man. He's, he's wrestling. He's wrestling float tanks. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want, Tony? We we get it. You're weird. That's fine. Could you just like rein it in a couple of yeah. notches so you can make it to a fight? That'd be great. With sunglasses on as well. I mean, you I mean, know, I've, I've got my Fight Island sunglasses on, but I'm also not wrestling a float tank. Yeah. So it's not quite as dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Go on then. Main event then. Talk to me about the main event. Yeah, I mean, I know your boy lost. Yeah, bad, right? Bad. Did you see it coming? Nah. Did you have seen that it playing out that way? Nah, not 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 really. And I know that clearly shows how smart you are and how in tune you are with mixed martial arts. But nah, not not. When you talk for forty minutes, you're going to be on the money about something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I didn't obviously clearly. By the way, I spoke about him before. I didn't see it go like that. Um, I thought again, he didn't. He came out trying to finish him in 60 seconds, like he said, and instantly sort of worried me. I'm like, wow, you better finish him now because, you you know, you went all in on this, you know. Came in um, too hot. He came in really hot, didn't too he? Hot. Really he didn't, hot. He didn't use anything other than aggression to close the distance down. And I think, I, I don't want to, you know, obviously I don't want to talk for him. He he whacked him a couple of times and, he, and Dusty sort of took it and he must have been thinking, well, not many people take that. They normally go down when I hit them that hard. And uh, that was sort of the beginning of the end. Like Dustin does take a good shot, though. Yeah, and 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 it was like if you watch the fight play through, it's like the first the first minute is is really interesting because immediately as the fight happens, and the and the start was really awkward as well. I'm not sure whether you remember, but Herb was like, "Start, yeah. no, you stay in your corner. You can come out to the center." It was more like a traffic conductor. Yeah, I know. But like Connor's just doing what he wants. He's not even listening. He was, he was right I'll start this fight. Don't like, worry. Uh, uh, no, you come to the. C- no, just start and then Connor's like in his face immediately but like it seemed it seemed Poirier was conscious about I'm gonna I'm gonna take my time I'm gonna weather this early storm if I can dig a, a kick into that lead leg I will do and I've got this takedown which he's not expecting Mike, Mike Brown game plans right we've heard, exactly. we've heard this a couple of times haven't we Mike, Cam, Mike Brown game plans man that's that's how you fight Connor innit it's beautiful because he, he smothered him for long enough to, to take away that first that panic first couple of minutes that makes him uncomfortable the the, the, the striking in the clinch was good from both of them yeah I mean, Connor's shoulder strikes are impressive they, the way he they seem to make power. they seem to do some damage don't they like, there was one he hit Poirier on the nose and you kind of saw yeah. Poirier go Ugh. you know yeah and Poirier gave a few good shots back the, the, the striking in the clinch was good Connor's knees to the midsection was were good as well but then like for the last sort of I don't know for for like two minutes on the clock to 30 seconds on the clock. Connor was pushing him back. He landed that lovely lead upper cut that he hit on Max Holloway back in the day. But then about 30 seconds, about 30 seconds left, something around there, like Poirier landed a kick and it was just a game changer for Connor. Like you just saw his leg kind of go and then he had to like, he had to immediately adjust. If you could take a picture of everyone watching that fight, when that kick landed, everyone went, ooh. Yeah. Everyone knew what was going on, didn't they? Yeah. And unfortunately, there's no way back. It's like going back to the neurology. Once that that once that nerve's dead, it's not really coming back. It, there's it just not enough time in a fight for exactly. it to come back. Yeah, it, it makes it even more impressive what Cejudo did against DJ the second time around. 
because that first round, he like he was dragging his foot behind him. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what was what was interesting? Obviously, watching the fight and re-listening to your breakdown, and then you know we we pulled out the bit about the the lower the lower leg kicks. So, Connor's very very heavy on that foot. Neuroplasticity is is just a fancy way of saying we can retrain our brain. You know, we're, we're, we're the, the, um, there's enough uh, fluidity in the way that our neurons work that we can retrain them and we reprogram them. But, but it takes some it takes some work. Mm. It really does take some work. It's definitely doable. So from from coaching in running sports to change the way someone runs, right? You've run the way you've run since you're a kid. So to change that is doable definitely doable and and in some respects you can retrain the brain to do that quite quickly but you know we're talking more like year on year rather than month on month connor's stance is what it is can he adapt that quick enough to to solve this problem if this problem was to come up again i think so i I don't think i I saw there was a conversation going on my twitter because i asked for questions for the for the next show that i'm recording and I and one of the questions was like there was there was a couple of guys got into a debate about the calf kick, and it was like I don't want to see fights get stopped because of calf kicks, so I think we should take them out. And I'm like, well, first of all, they're effective, and MMA is about what's finding finding what's effective. There was a point where wrestlers just drowned people with pressure yeah. up against the fence, but MMA evolved and adapted. And what's the what's exciting is that someone's going to figure out how to deal with the calf kick. Absolutely. And it's going to be someone like McGregor that figures it out. And you can't appreciate it until you've until you've you've either felt it like that, experienced it like that, or you you have an understanding of how dangerous that kick is. Like we like even at the gym, we can't have guys throwing it in in shin pads because it gets through. Yeah. Like it, it'll still deaden your leg yeah. through a shin guard. It takes hardly anything. You can't remove things like that from sport because it's stifling evolution. Like that's not, you know, we evolve because of the constraints that are placed around us. So if you just, oh, we don't like that, we're going to take that out, we're never going to figure that out because it won't like, be a problem. We're not being, you know, we don't have to figure that out anymore. Exactly. You know? It's it's a problem that needs to marinate in the sport a little bit until someone finds a solution. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot because obviously it's been a narrative for the past couple of years. And, and I, I just, I think the solution is to is to attack the attack the kick. Like you've got to be, you've got to be a bit brutal about it, and you've got to meet it with your shin. Yeah. And and like McGregor met it a couple of times, but he's still meeting it with the muscle that is that is that is over the the, the nerve. Yeah, he addressed that, didn't he? He said, that, you know, I still thought I was it. checking it, but I just wasn't checking it either aggressively enough or with enough panation around that around that joint to get bone on to get bone on bone. Mm. But I mean, so that the stunt, you know, we talked about the stance being a little bit of an issue. But we widen the stance to deal with the wrestlers, and now we're trying to have to narrow the stance to deal with the calf kicks. It's like it's you, you, you know, you can't you can't win. But it, but you know, we've talked about and this this massive project that we we've got coming up, lessons of war. You know, we've talked about um, what do you call the, the the first position, ground zero. zero. Yeah, zero position, right? Zero. And it is a and, you know, it is a little bit squarer. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit squarer, mm-hmm. and the, the stance is slightly narrower. Yeah. And you know, I wonder, you know. I mean, I'm doing a whole video about that stance and the reason why I feel like it's the starting point for all for all martial arts. Everything everything from that point is a transition, and and Connor starts oftentimes in one of two transitional positions. He either starts in the long karate stance where he comes out throwing kicks, which he didn't do at all in the Poirier fight, but is always a value to him because it allows him to cut the octagon down without leaving himself vulnerable for any return attacks. And he didn't do that against Pori the second yeah. time around. So, like, he basically used aggression and footwork instead. And in order to do that, you've got to keep planting that weight on that lead leg. And and that puts him in a position where he's in a, he's ready to throw his left hand. Like what, One of my favourite boxers, as you know, probably my favourite boxer of all time, is, is Julio Cesar Chavez. And I always think his style would be perfect for MMA because he's heavy on the lead leg. And once you're in that range where his kind of combinations work, you're you stand on their front foot anyway. Yeah. But you don't come out of the corner in that stance because you've you're gonna go through ranges where that's no use to you. And Connor went through ranges where that stance was no use right. to him. And and just like bullishly applied. Yeah, yeah. I mean we've we've talked range. about this a bit, right? It's knowing why you're doing why are you doing that? You don't need to be like that in that range. Yes, now you're in that range. Now you do need to be like that. Why are you do you not? Don't just do it for the sake of doing it. Do it with a calculated reason behind. Yeah, like everyone's yeah. everyone's excited about Chimaev, right? And, yeah, and you know, people go, oh, you know, hype train this and blah blah blah. And you know, like 
there's a reason why people are excited about him. Like one of the best demonstrations of footwork I've seen in the in the UFC in in ages was his fight against Mershaw. Because he like he literally like he, I, I, I've had a few people mention it as well, uh, hearing it on the war room, the choke point, like like you 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 force somebody into the into a corner where they have to deal with the power that you're throwing at them. Yeah, and he did that with presence and footwork to the point where he threw one punch to knock him out. Yeah, yeah. Again, goes back to forced evolution. Like this is where we're going to go. The sport's so young. People are they're addressing these things. You know, you, you've you've got to remember that whenever something like that happens, everybody's watching it. Everyone's it, you know, it's it's lighting up something in in their brain. They're going back. They're talking to their mates about it. They're talking to the coaches about it. And that's why the, the evolution is so fast because it's like oh, quick, we've got to adapt. We've got to adapt. Got to adapt. Got to adapt. And then you know, I mean, who knows where it ends, right? I don't know. I mean, it could get to the stage where it's looking a bit supernatural, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's something else that they were talking about on the Lex Friedman, Dan Gable podcast is, you know, uh, the first person to run a, um, a five minute mile. Yeah. And then suddenly everyone and can do it. And everyone can do it. And now most people that are successful on the world stage, they're running four minute miles before they're leaving school. Yeah. Like, you know, you just you, you think to yourself, well, with the technology that's being applied at the PIs, with the knowledge that's now coming through from guys that either were coaches or were fighters for back in the day when the sport was evolving and they've evolved with it. Yeah. Like, and, know, and, and you know, as hu humans struggle to conceptualize time because our lifetime is you know, 80 years or whatever. Okay. Where does MMA, what does MMA look like in a hundred years time? You can't even conceive what that's going to look like. Know, but like but... infinite fights. Like no <laughs> one can beat anyone because it yeah. just, yeah, there's a count to every count and everyone already knows what it is. Yeah. But there's always going to be, there's always, there's too many margins for error in MMA for it yeah. not to be a conclusion. There's massive amount of variables in yeah. there. Massive yeah. amount. Physical variables. Emotional <laughs> variables, you know. That's why this Lessons of Wars taken ages because I'm trying to bulletproof yeah. it. So yeah. It, mate, you, you know, and you know, I don't want to blow too much smoke, but you know, I think it's a really important project that we're doing and I think people are going to love it and not, you know, I, I personally can't wait to watch it, you know, one to one through to a thousand of the episodes. I think it will be, um, I think it's, uh, you know, it'd be a bit of a, bit of a legacy piece for you. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm I really excited. am. It's one of the reasons why I've decided I've got plectrums all over the house now. It's one of the reasons why I've decided to learn the guitar is I want to be a beginner at something again and go through the <laughs> process of learning and be frustrated and have to go over things. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm communicating these lessons of war videos that they make sense. Mm. I like this humble Connor. Yeah, I, no, I, I quite I like do. him. But I mean, then then it poses the question: how much of his how much of his success was that psychological game yeah. of breaking people before the fight start? I, I I don't. I mean, the question for me going into this one, as we discussed, was where's Poirier's mind at? Because that's the one thing you can't tell when you look at a fighter. Yeah, like you can see yeah. performances, you can see successes and adaptations in their game, but you don't know whether someone can deal with Conor McGregor until they're yeah. back up against Conor McGregor. But and and I thought he looked great. I, Pare sort of said, I think he might have shouted to DC, you know, he, he doesn't love this. He's not doing that for that. He just, ha he's just got to a point where he's just really good at it. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to, you know, he's going to maximize, he, he, you know, he's invested. It's like a business investment, right? He's invested all of this time, all of this energy in getting his product to, you know, this level, Apple level. Right. And now, you know, you know, I'm, I sort of don't love it, but I need to cash this in now. I've been here a long time. It's time for me to get paid. Uh, uh, but the, the, with that, there's always, uh, you know, that's finite because unless you genuinely, truly love it, you just can't get through the camps, can you? You just yeah. can't get through all the all the baggage that goes with it. He's, a, he's on a sprint finish though, isn't he? I mean, how, yeah. how many fights has he got? We can pick and choose pretty much yeah. now. What What do you reckon? Three maybe? I, I don't know. I, I, Three I big ones? See, I could see five out of him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's only 32, but he's had 34 fights. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. He's only 32. Yeah. When did he make his debut? Like nineteen seventy-four. It was a long time ago. Two thousand nine. Guys, hard not to like Pare, and he. Oh, like, I'll be a mate. I mean, I'm sure that you Big know, fan. everyone doesn't like someone. You know, there's always some haters out there, but it's hard not to like. Like he's the first person he pointed out was his wife. You know, they just got these. We've been through all this shit together, and it's yeah. you know, you, you helped yeah. me get here and stuff. It's beautiful. He's got this foundation helping out kids, and you know, what's the first thing? Half a million McGregor donated. To yeah, fair. You know, play, yeah. fair, yeah. fair play. That's like me donating five pounds, though. <laughs> it's about the same, relatively. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, you know, I wish him... The first thing he wanted to do was just go home. Just, mm. I'm going to go home. I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to be back in yeah. my hometown, you know. It's, I, think, I think there's a benefit in not putting your heart and soul in things. 
you know and i think you know that's that's something that we we learn as as we go through this like you can you can love the sport and be too in love with the sport and then you know are you talking time, to yourself right a little now bit. yeah i'm having a little bit of a conversation <laughs> myself here you know and then you, you can kind of pull back and you can kind of think nah like i need to focus on myself and put my best version of myself forward for the sport like if he's taking the emotion out of it now he's not he's not in a situation where he's vulnerable to trash talk because he can detach this is 10 percent of who i am yeah this yeah, is yeah what's most important to me yeah like to you know that it puts him in a in a, in a position of strength and it also puts him in a position of making good decisions because i think at this point in his career and in the in the division that he's in you only get to the champion to, to the championship position if you make good decisions as well yeah, and he's earned that. He's earned that right mm. to be in a position. Uh, yeah, I like. I, I like. I like what you're saying. It, it is a position of strength because you're not. You know, you're not going to make rash emotional decisions. You're going to make calculated, cool, cold decisions, aren't you? And generally, that's where you make the best decisions. Mm. You know, when you, you know, you, whatever whatever happens, you sort of blow up and you get emotional about it. And then, if you can just wait that 24 hours and then settle, and then and then you know make your retort or what have you. Um, generally comes out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. I, yeah, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the whole thing. Um, I didn't necessarily enjoy seeing my picks get uh, decimated by the result, but, um, you know, the only way to not get a pick wrong is to not make a pick, right? That's exactly so, right. You know so, what? Well, no, you, I mean, you did it pretty pretty terribly, but, you know, there's always room for improvement, and <laughs> no. that was the first episode. Like, <laughs> there we go. You can't knock it out of the park immediately. Imagine, so. imagine if we actually, if I do go backwards, I was going to say the only way is up, but what happens if it comes out as none next time? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, enjoyed it. Good stuff. And um, yeah, I hope everyone, I hope everyone enjoyed me not tapping the mic this this uh, episode as well. So we're uh, we're improving. Nice, we're improving. Cool. Yeah, man. See you episode next time. Two. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Remember, you can play with all of the other UFC fans on the new UFC Picks app, available for download on Apple iOS, Google Play, or visit www.ufcpicks.com. It's free to play, and there's a chance to win £5,000 cash. Participants must be 18 years of age or older, UK and Ireland residents only, terms and conditions apply, and remember to always play responsibly. If you or a friend have a problem with gambling, make sure you seek help and visit www.begambleaware.org.